Welcome to the All 22 NFL Podcast. We are back. The new season is is upon us. Rookies have reported to training camp, which means we must report to doing podcasts. I am joined on the line by our good friend from SB Nation, Pete Rogers. Pete, how are you? I'm good, sir. How are you? I'm good. I just got back from a, a little break, recharged the batteries, uh, feeling excellent, excited for the season. Are you still on break, back from break? What are you up to? Uh, I am off break. We are ramping up. Uh, the you know fantasy football is starting pretty soon. What with drafts and all in preseason action, so we're starting to ramp up our coverage and uh, getting people ready for uh, the uh, you know fantasy football drafts. It's exciting. It's exciting time of the year. Uh, every single year, I say to myself, I'm going to get into fancy. I think I could do very well because I know more about players than the average folk because I have more time on my hand than the average folk. And every year, <laughs> I do not do that. Which is silly because now you can make money. So I should. Like, pretty good money if you're if you know what you're doing. You could uh, you could win some pretty good prizes. All um, I'm doing is hurting my bank account, which is a wild move. On my <laughs> end. Um, I've never been never been good at the whole DFS. I get too I get on my hype trains too quickly and ride until they crash. Well, I mean, football's so ludicrous that who knows that one day Tyrell Williams is gonna have like five gazillion yards in a game. Right, exactly. It's like. Yeah, what, what am I doing with my life when I get into those kind of situations? I do like, though, because I get these messages all the time asking me stuff, and I have no idea about fancy, so I just tell them I have no idea. But now you can get individual defensive players. That excites me. If I can start, like, cherry-picking defensive players that I know play in certain sub-packages, that gets me That gets me kind of excited. Yeah, they've got fancy leagues where you can pick your individual defensive players. I haven't played those, but that just seems like a whole other level of... Uh focus and intensity that i don't quite need in my life but you know i'm sure people love it that's my nerd level that's like the first rotisserie leagues that came into baseball that you know start this whole thing where it was you would play like al only and you would have like these prospects who are playing in portucket and you're all excited that he's gonna get called up i need to be in that kind of if i'm going in i'm going so deep in you're going so deep yeah. into the pool yeah. i love it that's what i would be doing um all right so we got some new stories to get to and then i want to talk about a column i wrote uh, this week um very raw pete very very raw filled with information a gazillion words unnecessary amount of words uh, as usual um but fun fun um we'll get to that later uh it's about the patriots so pete's the guy to talk to but let's start with david gettleman which is i think one of the most interesting things that's happened this entire off season fired by the patriots replaced with marty herney who had the job before him um love 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 some of the the hack old hands who have relationships with herney because he's a really nice guy and therefore, you know, he's excellent. He actually built this team. I don't know if you've seen this, Pete. This is now the, the, the theory going around. Well, he did actually build the teams. Like, well, they stunk so bad, they fired him. And then Gettleman took them to nearly undefeated and to a Super Bowl. So I don't know if he, in fact, did build the team. Um, it was a combined effort, as these things often are. You can often trace teams to multiple tenures of different leaders because these guys get fired so often. There's still no actual seeming reason why he was let go. Um, was not a great people person in the building. I, he's one of the only guys, I will say this, so that I don't sound like a hack, that I actually know somewhat who's at that high level that I know pretty well. Um, and therefore, I, I do have some bias because I really, really like him. Um, but not a great people person. And I think he would say that himself. It's not his style. He's very combative. He's combative with everyone in the day-to-day life, which is not fun to work with for 20 hours a day, you know? Yeah. Um, and so I think that rubbed people the wrong way. It certainly rubbed players the wrong way, um, which he himself, again, has admitted. Um, but just give me your thoughts. It, it's, I mean, when you have this and you have Dorsey and you have McClure, yeah. these are three of the most know. talented guys in the business. <laughs> They're just out. I don't understand what this trend is, is to fire your GM, especially after the draft. That just seems wildly stupid. Uh, but, you know, whatever. Uh, for Gettleman... <clears throat> I think you're right about the people person things. I think it's, I mean, you saw it when a lot of the, especially when it came to keeping kind of well-established veterans in house, uh, he did not have a lot of love for keeping them around. You know, you, Steve Smith threw some nice little shade at him, uh, when he, when the firing announcement was made. So he had that. And he also got rid of John Bostic, not John Bostic, uh, uh, John Beeson. Uh, who I guess you could give him shit for that, but you can't really because Sean Beeson was playing on like three different ACLs. Uh, so I don't know why you would well, keep him what around. What did you also say, Pete? He was proven right on all of them. And he I was. know Steve, Steve Smith was excellent even when he left, and you want to have that guy in your building for 10,000 reasons, not just playing all the other stuff he does. 
But if you go 15 and 1, should have gone 16 and 0, by the way, and make the Super Bowl as favorites, really what, what more can that. the general manager do? The general manager right. isn't playing third down. All he can do is build the team to get through the regular season. The playoffs is mostly a crapshoot unless you have an elite quarterback, right? So, and he had all those, he built those things. So right. on all of them, he's pre- he did all those things. And again, I'm not carrying water for the guy because they've said it themselves for one simple reason to change the culture, which meant all those guys had to go. Um, Williams, who threw crap him on Twitter afterwards. I mean, all the guys, by the way, kind of um, ironic that the reason he got rid of those guys was because they did stuff like that. <laughs> That's why he got rid of them. Exactly. And he said, hey, you know who's going to be our number one guy? Is that guy there who is unlike, he's a unicorn. He's unlike anything the league's ever seen. Everything we do is around that guy and we have to find value because we have no money because Ernie signed all these other guys who keep bitching about everything. That's what we're doing. Cam's everything. That's all we care about. Right. And you can't, you can't fault him for that because like you said, there's only so many players in the NFL who can do, who are Cam's level of everything. Um, and they have to start, you know, they had to build the team and then completely commit to him. I also think, and I know Thomas Davis has come out and said that it wasn't because of his contract negotiation. I also kind of think it was partly part of his contract negotiation that got Gettleman fired, uh, simply because, again, Gettleman has a tendency to not really play the, the uh, not sympathetic, uh, what do I call it? What am I looking for? Uh, whatever. The, he's, yeah, he's not interested in this is our franchise guy. He's going to be in our ring of right. honor. He's like, and let's win games. Yeah. <laughs> yes, exactly. He's moving on. Um, so I know Thomas Davis has come out and said that his contract negotiation wasn't part of it, but I could see because I know the owners, they do. I mean, you know, you want to keep around players who've established themselves in Carolina and especially as part of not only the team, but also possibly the uh the city and the culture and all of that. And so Gettleman had a tendency to kind of push those guys out. I Uh, I, I really believe with no inside knowledge um, that (laughs) what happened here is this guy, anyone who's known him, you can even watch him on TV and figure this out. And he's, as I said, admitted it publicly that he's a combative guy. If you go through his backstory, just the way he came up and neighborhood he grew and all that stuff, he's one of those scrappy underdog type characters who, as I said, will bitch and moan with the secretary for not doing something on time as much as he will with Newton, and that's not a fun working environment. I don't think you switch that off when you talk to the owner, if that's who you are. Right. Maybe right. you do because, you know, you, you, you're deferential to him. But Jerry Richardson himself, he's kind of one of those pull him up by bootstraps type fellas, so there's kind of a bond there. But when you're starting to put statues outside of yourself... <laughs> outside the stadium that are 30 feet tall with Panthers either side of you, which is the greatest statue in sports. That's beautiful. I That just, to me, doesn't seem like... that. To me, there should be a buffer there, which there is a team president and stuff. But if the owner says to you about Thomas Davis, I can see a massive breakdown immediately of right. getting angry with one another. That, that to me, is... is pretty logical conclusion and if you run this on and it's every single year because that's what happened with this team in part because they had no money they had no cap right. room so i can see this being a consistent trend um, and kind of a breakdown between the built to a point where it was too much but i want i want to hear your take i want to hear your explanation for why gm why gms are getting fired after the whole team has been constructed in their vision <laughs> Uh, well, the first thing I'd say is that it's so much more collaborative now than it used to be. It's, it's rare yeah. to find, because everyone's protecting it, the league is run by mostly cowards and people fearing their job. It's a, it's a self-preservation league. That's why you don't get an awful lot of outside-the-box thinkers. It's why you get an awful lot of sons. Um, they're also, I, I say this all the time when people laugh at, uh, like, say, Jeff Fisher's sons employed by the Rams and stuff like that, or was. It's like, yeah, well, he's the only guy who's got the time in his hands to do it like me and you right. growing up we weren't allowed to be at football camp all day do you know what i mean so obviously that yeah. one's qualified for it um but i think everything's so much more collaborative now um that they feel more comfortable moving on you look at each organization the some part makes sense there in that rivera was there before gettleman anyway andy reed is was picking players that was a combined right. decision andy reed is as powerful as it gets in terms of head coaches that aren't named belichick um, the McLuhan one, he wasn't the pr- final decision maker anyway. He was the best scout and was the guy who picked most of the players because Allen and company would defer to him saying, well, he knows players better than us. But he was never actually the final guy on the on the, the org chart there. Um, and then where's the other one? Um, there was Dorsey. Well, Dorsey, McLuhan, Gettleman, the big names who were really successful. The Dorsey one is the most surprising one to me because he is so talented. And that just has to be a breakdown between him and Reed. That can be the only explanation. Right. right. 
Yeah, no, I'm just it has been stunning to me that after I mean, it makes sense for this to happen, you know, at the end of the season, so that you then have the off season for the new GM to kind of start putting their imprint on the team and start, you know, especially with the draft and all that kind of stuff. So it was it was crazy to me to see, you know, the Chiefs, the Panthers, and Buffalo and who else? did it. Buffalo, Buffalo, did. Buffalo did it like three p.m. after the draft closed at midday. It was bizarre. What I will say oh. about that is. Um, their timetable, you know, the the league operates within multiple timetables. The, the the team itself is playing the season we know through the Super Bowl and so on, and then disbands and disappears. The, the scouts and everyone, they didn't even enter the team facility till way after the Super Bowl. Like, they're out on the road doing all that stuff, and their contracts run in their own season. They don't run the same as the league season. Right. And the GM is classed uh, under that. As that, as that. And so what, if you come in as a new GM, I, I agree with you. It, it's just really tough to bring a new GM in and say, hey, here's a month, build your staff, do all that, whilst everyone else is doing their stuff. Now, I'd love to see, like, a 538 study to show. Because the draft yeah. is such a crapshoot anyway, then does it really matter? Right. Um, right. and can't can't just like a part of the job be that they leave their old reports behind and you get to go through those and maybe you trust them because what they were trying to do a job at the time do you know what I mean it's like they were trying to sabotage anyone at the time they wrote the reports um, but yeah and I think that again that one in Buffalo is, is odd because they admitted for no reason that um, the GM picked the players during the draft Right, and right. then and the, then and then the coach, and now the coach is in charge. Essentially, he picked the GM. It's a bizarre, bizarre situation. There. I mean, it's Buffalo, <laughs> you know. Yeah, it makes. Yeah, well, yeah. What are you surprised? Yeah. And we Not thought the Pagulas come in. They've run a hockey team. They know what they're doing, and it's what something in the water. Is they just make yeah. it? It uh, what what we're finding more and more is the credit business again. People vie for credit. And mm-hmm. it's, it's, I think it's no longer just everyone in the organization is no longer saying it's these two people, it's the quarterback, it's the coach, it's whatever it is. The GM built the team. Um, Polian is all powerful and he has Manning and all this stuff. I think it's 12 to 15 people because these things are so overpopulated now. If you go through the structure of these teams, through team presidents and so on, right? so many people you don't even know. It's like in the NBA, these teams are appointing GMs in the offseason. And you're like, that's interesting. The, the Knicks get that guy from Sacramento. That's interesting. And then you find out, well, he's fourth on the org chart because they have these prex presidents of basketball, and he's not going to do anything. Right. He's, not, he's, just a, he's just a face. And so we think of John Dorsey and great scout, and we know how talented he is because he's always built good teams or, or mostly good right. teams. And get them, and he's built good teams. Um, and yet in that organization, who knows what was, you know. Was the and he, and he was saying, you go do this, this stuff and that stuff. Um, and we are seeing more and more fluidity of even when GMs go, staffs will, some staff, some scouting members will stay. You used to just get rid of everyone. Now it's right. like, well, that area scouts. Yeah, now it's like the area scouts had success. The national scouts will stay, like the national college scout and the director of development and all that stuff. Those guys will stay. But the area scouts... More often than people would suspect, it's like we just keep them in place, and they're you know they're members of the Ravens or whatever. Uh, where do you think, if anything, where's your ideal landing spot for Gettleman? I think he will take the season off, but he'll probably be back. He's a Giants guy through and through. Everything they do, ah. they even have cliches robbed in the Panthers uh, facility that are just Giants stolen from <laughs> the famous Giants state they are I mean those Giants guys it's like uh, this Belichick tree now you know they all have their little like Belichickisms right, right. Oh, and, Belichickisms. and they're in like their WhatsApp group together laughing at the rest of the league because they know stuff <laughs> <laughs> like uh, Tennessee what's the Tennessee Gems name I forget John Robinson and the guy in Detroit now you can imagine them two picking up the phone and laughing because they know stuff that Bill taught them the Giants have a similar family type <laughs> thing so I can see him like slide him back in there in a role in some capacity with Jerry Reese maybe in the interim but if I was any if you're a team in the league right now you don't love your GM spot and McLuhan's available if you can get over all the, the demons there maybe you bring him right. and Dorsey together McLuhan and Dorsey you could build a, a front you office super a team formidable front. Yeah. yeah you say hey you're the president of yada 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 you look after Scott and let Scott pick the players and we'll right. all have success like you and we'll all build a good successful team you have three pretty good Three pretty good options there on the market yeah. right now. Who's the guy? Yeah. Who's the guy you would you would want to have? Because I I just want McLuhan. I just ride it with uh, demons and all. Yeah, I think McLuhan's a great choice. I, I mean, I would say either him or Gettleman, simply because you've also because they're just te- you know they've constructed uh, 
good teams. And, and I also think Gelman, I understand that there's, you know, he's not a people person, however you want to run it, but <clears throat> you got to give him credit for what he did with the Panthers and for the roster construction and even whatever role that he had in it. Uh, definitely built, like you were saying, I mean, it's not a, it's not an accident to build a 15 and one team. Uh, so you got to, I think you go with the success. I, I would say, by the way, just because listeners will not know this stuff, and so I may have not described it well, but uh, when I say not a people person, I don't mean like a complete prick, not nice guy. It's just um, more bombastic, and I love it. I love that style of say what you mean, what's on your mind. Not it's a... straightforward. It's to the point. It's the it's He's a New the... York guy, and that right. classical New York guy thing before it became Hipsterville. Uh, right. Well, you've moved back. You've moved from there, Pete. Now, so I'm. I, I, I can God. say that. Um, you can say all the shit you want about New York. <laughs> so he's a classic New York guy. He's gonna tell you what he's thinking. And some people like to have things coated, particularly right. in a league where you're being judged on abstract performance. If it's not just wins and losses, you know, like picking players and all that type of jazz. And that, that's the type of stuff I mean by it. not a people. Person. But I guess it's also. I mean, it's kind of in that same vein. It's also like if you're having, if he's your GM, if he's, you know, has one of the higher roles in your team, you want someone who's going to be like, you know what? No bones about it. No shit. It's like, here's what I think. Here's what we're doing. And we're just going with it. If you can't handle it, get off the boat. Me too. Uh, but what that yeah. brings is he's a big value guy. They, they went through multiple off seasons where he was like, we're not giving money to off ball players. I'm drafting two interior linemen. They were excellent. They built the best interior line in the league. I'm drafting two interior defensive linemen monsters excellent. together yep. low to Lele and short shorts excellent now low to Lele's declined a bunch and we're gonna let guys like norman walk we're gonna let receivers walk we think we can replace those more than we can if we built an immense core up the middle of the field on both sides of the ball best power run team best against the power run that's what he decided to do um and it's not as marketable <laughs> and i guess no, it's not. but it but it worked i mean you have to once you then you've constructed yourself a team that when you do find that cam newton or i mean that's what the cowboys did when they found themselves in a position to get an ezekiel elliott right you have the best off one of the best offensive lines in, or the raiders too, one of the best offensive lines in football and now you're getting yes a retired marshawn lynch but still a, you know uh one of someone who if he can channel 2000 what 15 Lynch, 14 Lynch, um, you now have a very strong and at times dominant running game put behind Derek Carr. The thing that is interesting with the, the timing is it's the first time they had actual flexibility during his reign because he came in in cap hell. They couldn't sign anyone. He would openly go out and tell his uh, the fans of the team, like, I'm sorry, but we can't do anything. We're basement shopping, was what he would say every time. Is We don't even have to wait for this. Because everyone would always say, you're winning the second phase of frenzy and all that jazz. And you're like, we have to wait to like phase four or five. Like, <laughs> guys who are cut from other teams who are nicked up and all that stuff will bring in the rejuvenation projects. Then they finally got some cash. They had to spend that on Cam's extension. And the next year, finally some relief. And he didn't spend it well, in my opinion. Um, but the ownership let him have the money to go and get Khalil. You know what right. I mean? Like, it's odd that you would allow him to sign long-term deals. I mean, all the deals in the NFL aren't so long-term, I guess. Um, but they let him go through the draft. I mean, anyone could have made those picks, and I would have liked them. Do you know what I mean? It's irrelevant who actually picked the players to me. Right. And uh, Rivera has a bunch of control in that stuff anyway. But to sign, the likes of signing Khalil and the other stuff they did in free agency, that to me, because I didn't love the free agency stuff, it's, it's odd that they would let him do that. Mm -hmm. Yep. Um, all right, let's move on. Let's talk some Kirk Cousins and Washington. Um, these situations always drive me insane, and it's more of a sociological thing than it is a football thing. Um, and I try my best, Pete. I don't do social media stuff much outside of tweeting my own <laughs> columns these days. I just, I'm... I'm done with it. It's irritating as heck. But I, I, I find myself getting irrationally angry at these people I've never met who side with management over it's, labor when they uh, themselves are labor. Right. I, it's one of the most weird things in sports is always the, the labor is painted as the villain um, and fans side with management in part because their sensibilities align. It's like we all want the player at a good price, which is what fans right. believe, even though it's not their cash. Um, but in a salary cap sport, it does kind of make some sense to get upset about it because you want to get good players. Um, 
but I, I it's one of those things always weird me. I want them to put whenever they say X player turned down X money next, which should be the valuation of the franchise, just so we can put it all into perspective. Exactly. Prisons exactly. turns down fifty million guaranteed. The Washington racial slurs are worth three billion dollars. <laughs> okay, so let's all. So um, compound about Kirk Cousins wanting more yeah, money. He's a money grabber, really. <laughs> three right, billion right. dollars upstairs. Okay. Yeah. Uh, more when they win. Um, and what I would say with this one is, I don't know how anyone could get upset with Cousins, and Redskins fans are, by oh, the way. It's genius. Kirk Cousins is playing this perfectly. Uh, and this this organization, which is run by Muppets, as we all know, um, there's a few good people, but mostly Muppets up top, released this statement and do a press conference throwing shade everywhere, as the kids say. There's shade all over the shop, saying, <laughs> saying it's basically saying it's the biggest contract guarantee a quarterback can ever have as though they've way gone out of you know extended their way to to give him an offer that they can't believe he's refused and when you break the numbers down they basically offered him 55 million which is as identical as him getting a transition tag and a franchise tag over the next two years but it was a five-year contract so he's giving them three years of his career control for the same money i mean they they spun it well but i mean it to me it makes all the sense the more to turn it down well, I think what's important to realize is that actually the Washington racial slurs, first of all, don't even know what quarterback they have in house. Uh, because while Kirk is their starting quarterback, they were offering their contract to Kirk. And so I think that's something that we should recognize, and that might be why the contract kind of fell through, is Kirk was a little confused why Kirk was getting this offer. Uh, but anyways, Kirk, no, and Kirk Cousins' side, this is exactly how you play it out. It's beautiful. You still get paid absolute bank, and it's all guaranteed because it's a franchise tag. And if they don't want you to play, then fine. You hit free agency, and guess what? Shocker, you are the best position. You know, you're in the num- most sought-after position in football. There are tons of teams out there who would love to have you on their team, most particularly the little team out in San Francisco who's – head coach is like your number one supporter and has been trying to get you all off season anyways why not take the whatever it is 26 or so guaranteed million for play one more year in washington if washington offers you this fantastic contract great if not i would just get the hell out of there and go play in san francisco and this is something I've wanted a player to do for a long time. I wish Andrew Luck had done this. And I fully understand, look, it's easy to negotiate with their cash. Um, but when you're a quarterback and not one of these position players, in this day and age where the, the injury rate is down, and I get we've had broken legs with Mariota and so on, and there are still career-threatening injuries, you're playing football. Um, but why would you not just roll year to year when the teams view it as year to year anyway? Maybe if you're an elite guy, it's probably two, maybe three years with the guarantees, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it's got to be negligible between year, having two years guaranteed and one year guarantee and just roll it season by season. Right. And have all the power. I mean, make the team. I mean, this is what LeBron does in the NBA. I mean, make the team have to commit to you. If the team isn't wanting to give you $26 million guaranteed, fine. Some other team will. And, they, I mean, the team has ultimate control because they can tag, unlike in the NBA, which is it's still silly to me that they can actually do it, um, which they can do, but that just means you get all the money. I mean, what's great about the franchise tag is Monday morning you wake up and it's not like – uh, the regular where they do the paycheck to paycheck they just put the money in your bank account <laughs> like you right. just wake up it's like wow yeah I'm really wealthy this is fun um, <laughs> I've never understood why someone like Roger doesn't go and say look I don't want 160 million five year contract I want 40 million next year all the monies and they'll go no we can't do that we'd rather just franchise tag and it's like okay great I'll just roll over next year it's going to be 35 next year will be 35 for Kirk Cousins it's a lot of money for one year. That's, and it's all guaranteed. And at is, some point at the end of it, you're going to hit free agency. At some point, they will let you go. Right. Um, and even if you stink for two years, you see what Ryan Fitzpatrick just got? You see what these guys, you see what Brock Osweiler right. got when no one knew who he was? Someone is going to give you $50 million a year over three years. That's what Mike Lennon got. So and you, you just made three years of being franchise tag. Franchise money, yeah. All guaranteed money. And this is, and this is, it sounds silly when you say it like that. This is what Kirk Cousins has figured out. This is exactly what right. he's doing. I don't think it's necessarily, I want to get to San Francisco. It's, I don't really care where I end up. This is maximizing mining potential. I, I'm going to be in Washington for four years or whatever under t- different tags, transition tags, franchise right. tags, whatever it is. Um, that's like me signing a four year contract, but this way I get the most I can possibly get. 
yeah, good for him. Make what you can. Get paid. And the other argument that's come out, Schefter made this, Barnwell, I believe, wrote about this, um, trading him. A lot of people said this, you should trade him. It could have been if San Francisco really wanted, they could have done the two ones under the tag right. um, pre-draft. Now it would just be sitting and negotiating. Um, and if he said, I'm out, which I doubt he would, um, that could maybe be a, a two, an Alex Smith type deal, maybe a two and a future one or two and, you know, two or one, depending on conversion of playoffs, that type of stuff. Um, what would your thoughts be on both sides of that? I mean, if you're Washington... If you're Washington, I don't think you can. I mean, who you're going to roll it behind? Colt McCoy. That's going to be that's going to be who you're going into the league into the season with. I think you don't trade Kurt, even if he even if he leaves at the end of the season. You've constructed a team now that, at least in my mind, has a good chance of making some noise come playoff time. I think the addition of Terrell Pryor. I mean, I've been on the Terrell Pryor hype train since you know since the transaction since he signed with Washington. Um, but I think that is a huge move. I think you're getting now, you're putting together a potentially very talented offense. Uh, you've got a running game that could establish with uh, Fat Rob and uh, I never remember how to pronounce his name, but the rookie Perrine out of uh, Oklahoma. Oklahoma. Yep. Um, so there's a lot, there's a lot going for it. And then on Kirk's side, like, why would you get traded? I mean, you're still in a great situation. Yes, the whole maybe the higher ups in the team are all crazy nut jobs, but you're getting out of it in the next year. Or if you're not getting out of it next year, you're still being signed to a, you know, cool twenty million guaranteed. Um, so I, I, I mean, I understand if you're the if you're Washington, maybe wanting to get something in return for Kirk leaving, but I also just think that. If you're okay paying him on a day, on a yearly basis, he's okay getting paid on a yearly basis. So why not just keep that going forward? Yeah, I, I haven't really got the trade stuff. I understand the kind of uh, theorizing if you can't lose value X for nothing. Um, but it happens every day in the league. And Dominican Sue walked out of Detroit for nothing. Do you know what I mean? Right. It didn't wreck the front. The franchise didn't fall apart. In fact, I believe they made the playoffs before Miami made the playoffs and then Dominican Sue. Like... It stinks. You don't want to do it. Um, I would rather... I mean, you don't get nothing, though. You get a chance to have a winning season. Do you know what I mean? Like, they have a chance to make the playoffs, and then God knows what can happen. I doubt they win the whole thing, but it's going to be better off than rolling with Colt McCoy. I guess in that scenario, I haven't read Barnwell's piece, but I'm coming at it from a place of ignorance. His argument would be, well, Kirkland isn't actually that great. And therefore, the decline isn't so bad. I think he is excellent within that system. Losing to Sean Jackson, I want to kind of see without the the true deep stuff. It's right. different deep stuff than what they could do with Jackson is what they'll do with Pryor. Um, so no, I, I, I do want to see it, but I, I'd i rather just win football games. And as I said, we said at the top, it's such a self-preservation league. Why would you opt right. to try and to go down to being a 6-7 win team when maybe you could be a 9-10 win team? Right, right. And even if that, you know, even if that doesn't amount to anything, somehow just to a fan base, to ownership, to anyone who's looking at it, you know, a nine to 10 win season looks a hell of a lot better than a five to six win season, especially when you have actively caused that, brought that season upon you by getting rid of your starting quarterback. I mean, that's what everyone, and again, we'll be talking, touch on the Patriots later, but like, that's what everyone would love to see that happen to the Patriots if they traded, you know, when they traded away Chandler Jones or when they traded away Jamie Collins, like everyone would have loved to see the Patriots stumble and the defense take a massive hit because Belichick is making these perceived, you know, daring plays, but it doesn't happen. But if you're, if it did happen, then it's no one's fault, but Belichick or no one's fault, but the Patriots for getting rid of Jamie Collins and suddenly their defense is garbage. You know, so if you're the, if you're Washington and you're getting rid of your starting quarterback, who I think, you know, is a top, 20 top 15 quarterback that's now it's entirely on you if the team stumbles which it will because Colt McCoy's not good and I understand people will say look he's not that great you can't pay him top money elite money whatever adjective they want to throw out there um but you kind of do <laughs> you yeah. really do it's easy to say when we're sat behind laptops at desk with our blogs and our writings and we're so smart um you want to keep your job in the NFL? Even if you have one, even if you have Cam Newton, they'll fire you. Even if you have right. Alex Smith and you right. trade right. up for Pat Mahomes, they will fire you. Um, but at worst, you've got to have one. Um, yeah. And if when you go into this abyss of, well, we can just replace him and actually rookie X at certain contract is better value based on our algorithm than 
average player overpaid why that does make uh, sense but you could also end up in the uh the constant hunt like the jets you could also end up in the constant right. like the browns there is nothing to say um th that you can majorly benefit from it by just like oh we'll get just random quarterback x and it's better value the nfl doesn't pay back in the same way the nba does where if you're really bad and you get the number one overall pick it's a slam dunk like Right. There's an actual chart in the NBA which shows you, you know, almost their war equivalent, the value of wins, is a perfect line down from the top overall pick to the bottom of the second round. Like, that's what happens over careers. Um, the NFL is all over the place. They found Kirk Cousins in the third round or second round. I believe it was the third round. Um, they took RG3 with the second pick, and he wasn't good enough. So the idea of not getting anything back i'd rather have a winning season winning is more fun than losing and if you yep. win in the nfl and you get in the playoffs anything can happen that's how it goes yep. Um, yep. and they're not going to do that with colt mccoy and they may not yep. do it with Kirk cousins by the way but i'd rather give that a shot than uh than just trading him away even for a first round pick i completely agree what is the history? I'm trying to think now of a historical thing where a team has traded away their already starter into the unknown and it's been successful. You know, we've had where the new guy comes through and you trade Bledsoe because you have Brady and, right. and you trade Montana because you have Young. I can't think of an example where it's like, oh, we have this guy now and we'll just go into the unknown <laughs> without Right. Him. Yeah. I mean... There's yeah, probably the an only... example somewhere, but I, I can't think of. The only thing that comes Oh, uh, the top... Broncos traded Tebow to go into the Undo, and they ended up with Peyton Manning. <laughs> yeah, I guess they... <laughs> God. Well, with that, I mean, I mean, if that's your... If that's the litmus test, then come on. Washington, what are you doing? Trade Kurt. Yeah, so... Um, and you cannot tell me, John Elway did not already know that was happening. I understand that... Uh, this is one of the great untold stories. I wish they did, like, a 30 for 30 short in it, or, like, a real... Uh, Grantland-esque deep dive on I, I, I think I far too often like I'll just wake up and I'll be thinking about this and I'll just text people like remember when this is what I do in my life and I'll text people like remember when this happened uh, I was talking about it with Doug Farrar at SI actually not long ago because I was like remember how crazy was this that uh, Nashville Tennessee offered Peyton Manning like 10% of the franchise like when, when they were trying to sign him they were like we'll just give you some of the franchise but Adams wanted him so bad they were like, here's just the franchise. Here's just, just you can uh, have ten percent. It was. This is. He got some of the franchise, and when he retired, he could choose to be the president or general manager. Like he got his pick of what he wanted to be. And his wife didn't want to go back to Nashville, so they said no. That is crazy. What why, a different world it would have been if he had gone to Tennessee. Why didn't the Browns do that with someone and tap them up? Why, why didn't they call Drew Brees now and be like, hey, become a free agent next year, and we'll give you a quarter of the franchise. <laughs> <laughs> it's better than a better than a starting quarterback salary. It's true. It's true. We like two hundred and fifty million dollars, I think, in sports economy now. Um, quickly before we get to the Patriots, Ezekiel Elliott. There's not much to to discuss here because it's all legal stuff and and all that jazz. Um, uh, I, I, mean, I guess we could do fantasy implications. I guess we get to, so we stay away from the legal stuff. Um, yeah. What do you do right now if you're in a if you're in a draft? I mean, draft a lot of with... drafts do actually, I know that most of them come later, but there are drafts that happen now because it's the start of camp and all that stuff and people right. want to get in early on. What do you do? Like he would probably be what, a top five pick, top four pick. And now oh, he, he may be... miss two games, four games. Who knows if he's going to miss yeah. games? No, I think now you're, there's two paths that I would say. Well, so if you've already drafted, in my mind, it's either you want to try to, uh, wait it out and hope for the best, which ultimately is the right decision. Like he's, if anything happens, he's probably going to get suspended four games, um, which, well, that's not the best place to start. It is the beginning of the season. It's the first four weeks of the season. Uh, and you're going to want him come playoff time. Like there's no way. And act. And honestly, if I was in a league that had already drafted and someone, the person who had drafted Zeke was getting cold feet and was looking to move him, I would sell, I would buy so low on him right now. I would, I would trade a you know, decent amount to get him because I just think come playoff time, you're going to want that consistent. I mean, he averaged like 20 points, you know, 20 fancy points a game last year. So I'm going to want that come playoff time, hands down. The if you're not, oh, go ahead. No, the thing I'll say about the Cowboys, though, which is the, the untold storyline of their season is 
Uh, their offensive line has forever been the greatest. It's plug and play. Zeke takes the plug and then plays at, you know, a, a heaven-like level because <laughs> he's just so good. Um, they've got to replace two pieces. It's really not easy. I, I've said this so many times in this show because um, it was told to me so long ago and repeated again and again. Coaches want continuity over talent at that particular position. It's just what they want. Right. Um, and they have all the talent in the world and they have the three best players at three positions in the league still. But still, you're going to have to figure that out. Who plays the other two spots? Will it be as successful? Then you've got the... If Prescott steps back, there's more of a run game. That's more touches. But then does it get worse? Um, so there's more stuff than even just the suspension, really, uh, right. when it comes to Elliot. So it'll be, it'll be interesting to see how that all offense plays out. I do think... I think they will want to get the ball more in Dak's hands. But I also think that that means uh, opportunities for Elliot in the passing game. Uh, which is also, you know, obviously desirable. I just, if you're looking at him, I mean, the top three running backs in fantasy are David Johnson, Zeke, and uh, Le'Veon Bell. And if you're looking at those three, David Johnson is the only one who I'm taking every single time above Zeke. Uh, Le'Veon Bell's injury history and extracurricular history does not does not lead me to think that he's going to be playing a full season. And I know if Zeke is getting suspended, I know it's at the beginning of the season. If he's not getting suspended, I know I've got a full season with him. Yeah, be whatever it is. The thing I would say with Bell is there are a few players in the league who enjoy smoking pot more than that guy. Um, (laughs) And the other one is Martavis Bryant. (laughs) Yeah, and it's a real problem because he keeps getting suspended for it. Um, But he did turn down a monster contract, which I was surprised they actually offered him. Um, And I know he's... The, the best player the best player's position in the league possibly um i get that but just given the indie history and the extracurricular stuff and the fact just that position in general and i right. surprised they offered him the three years at that price tag and he turned it down which means he's going hunting so which, maybe I mean, he doesn't again, hit the chiba post game because he wants to get that contract right and again like you know all power to him like go get your money Lev Bell, um, but I agree with you that it was a it was an impressive uh, amount of money for the Steelers to offer, given excuse me, given his prior activities as well as uh, his injury history and just the devaluation of the running back position. You always want to be in on the guy on engaged greatness who like maybe is out of the stuff that's and he's always been sensational but when they're really like in it either to stick it to a team contract year style or that they have to do it this year mosson 07 is the best example right. like they want to prove people wrong and they're already great that's where you want to that's where you want to be in life and he he could be that this season um, this could be the Steelers just just playing games with him to get him triggered in that area i like that. trying to become angry and turn into a green hulk um, the last thing I wanted to say on this story because it doesn't get covered enough and it's one of my favorite things in the league because all these teams have these little uh, what's that guy in Game of Thrones what's that thing he calls him birds yes birds something yeah little birds all these teams have little birds just around areas like any club that like uh, the Dolphins players go into someone who unofficially works for the Dolphins is in that club usually the bouncer just like in case anything goes down. The Cowboys have a great guy who isn't officially on the book so you can't really say he's working for the Cowboys but he blatantly is called david wells who whenever there's an incident with a cowboys play he's immediately on the scene of the crime um typically a crime i don't mean that figuratively i mean when there's an actual crime um and for some reason i don't know what happens here pete it's just this mad coincidence that whenever david wells arrives witnesses disappear it's a remarkable it's a remarkable thing um and ezekiel elliott who is in trouble for not the domestic violence case though that is where he may get suspended from the league which was uh thrown out by the, the police there they couldn't get evidence um now had this big fight um and the witness has gone has just vanished he's like no i'm not getting involved in this it's a it's a dj as well it's like a, oh it's God. like a SoundCloud DJ who's got like a following, and he's just vanished. Um, I love this underbelly of the league that like, people just don't <laughs> want to go into. Like, it, it, we we so love this stuff, and people want it to be holier than thou. The right, ESPN right. will get all upset about ball pressure and possible cheating, but they don't really do like the hour-long special. And hey, this David Wells character, I don't know what he's doing or what. In his ba- yeah, I want to know how much cash does that take? Like, I want to know these things. It's the 10% of the team. 
I would I, I would imagine like the amount of money he must have given out, and I don't say this in a pejorative way. If you as a witness want to just take the cash or I'm gonna go for legal proceedings, that's on you. It's up to you. you right. get, if you get batted by a member of the Cowboys, you decide that's what you want to do. That who can complain about that? But I'd love to know like how much does that cost a guy, like to do that? Wouldn't that be great? And does the player end up paying? Like the guy, the Cowboys pay on the spot, but does, does the player reimburse them? Is there like a, an exchange there? Does Jerry just pay for it all? Like, do you know what I mean? Like, does 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 Zeke have to give some cash back to Jerry? How does it? There are just a lot of questions that need to be answered. And why was no one doing the story? That's. Uh, I feel like this is this is what you've been born for, Holly. This is the story that you were meant to tell. Uh, I only don't want to do it because I'm so scared of David Wells. <laughs> <laughs> You're gonna like start typing three words and suddenly yeah. disappear. Yeah. call him like, hey man, I got some questions. Doof, just darted down by a <laughs> blow dart. Yeah. Um, the the Patriots have this. Uh, one of the greatest. Uh, things that came out of the Aaron Hernandez reporting, and there were some excellent reports kind of that Rolling Stone piece about his flop house and all that stuff, uh, was how many FBI agents they employ that you would never, you would never know. I mean, they they whiff badly. Don't get me wrong, because they didn't know about the Florida incidents, but they were kind of open with what their job is, which is just driving around New England <laughs> till all hours of the morning and arriving where needs to be arrived to to sort stuff out. It's um, what a CD excellent league, just fantastic. Um, it's just it's it's a soap opera. Uh, and we so, don't have a story. It's it's sad. I want these stories. I create I these stories, but we could, we could, we're not allowed them because we're not allowed good things. Because people to get all hysterical and upset, and you need to be a role model and all this stuff. I want to know about how much Zeke paid this DJ to vanish into thin air, disappear. So uh, the other one, by the way, this is another one of these ones that make, where I wake up in the middle of the night thinking about it is remember when the AP called that woman during Deflategate at the league office? No, during the Ray Rice incident, apologies. Oh, yeah. And, and she was like, oh, yeah, we've seen it. It's terrible. And it was a big thing they used for a while because it was evidence that either she was just saying that to be polite on the phone or whatever, but why would you use that exact word? Or that they had, in fact, seen the tape when they said they hadn't seen the tape. Um, uh, yet that woman's never been heard from again. <laughs> like, no or, one can, no one can find her. Or the tape that Dez had. Yes. Wasn't there, that, wasn't there supposed to be some career-ending tape that Dez had? That was that uh, which report was that? Was, I think that was Rappaport. Was it Rappaport? No, it was Florio. Florio is the one who. Florio was saying that. Said that. It was yeah. I forgot about that. That somehow just magically was never heard from. But I think about this woman constantly, this league office woman, because Dan Van Natta, ESPN's um, investigative guy was saying he said to simmons on a podcast i remember it vividly like i've been trying to find this woman i can't even find evidence she exists like he did, she, oh she was gone goodell's like gone here's a big God. sack of uh cash and head to mauritius <laughs> thank you for your service. not exist anymore <laughs> oh what a league um let's go on the field <laughs> let's what a league let's go on to the field to uh to some of the fun stuff uh, yeah let's actually talk football um, and we're going to talk about the Patriots. I wrote a column about the Patriots' new look defensive front that I want to get your opinion on. This is kind of what I'm doing for previews this year. They're kind of really long column essay type deals rather than straight preview pieces because I find them boring and you'll have read a thousand by the time you get to mine. So I'm doing it this way where I focus on one thing I think is important and I try and blow it out and bring in as many players as possible and big pitch things as possible. Um, I've done the books and so on. If you've read those ones, this is in, in that vein for the Patriots. Um, and I just think it's fascinating that they went through this period where they, they had all these explosive players, Chandler Jones, Jamie Collins, Dominique Easley, and they went really like quick twitch. This is the new age of the NFL. We have to get these freakish athletes on the field together and we can run any formation, all that type of stuff. And then one by one, they cut one, they trade the other two. Um, and then they got really slow. And last year, they were downright bad at rushing the passer. And you win a Super Bowl, it clouds everything. Um, well, I wrote multiple times during the season. I'm sure you remember us having the conversations. You could almost sense the frustration through the TV screen. And it got better as the year went on. That things just weren't going right for them. They were tweaking things that Belichick's done for two decades. He plays with a single right. high safety. Now they're playing with two deep safeties. They've not done that in a long, long time. That's like usually their, um, you know disguise look or trying to just throw something different out there now it was becoming that's the regular thing to do and um, and they were just having difficulty with all of it they couldn't rush the pass effectively they were like 30th in um pressure rate and 26th and adjusted sack rate they just what they just couldn't create pressure 
I believe, because they weren't athletic enough. Like, they, the Jets have a similar issue where you've got big-name players who play on the defensive line, and so you assume they must sack the passer, right? You've got Wilkerson and Williams and so on. But that's not their game. They're excellent run defenders who kind of push the pocket and can collapse it every now and then. They aren't these whip-off-the-line, Khalil Mack, Von Miller, freaky athletes leaping to the backfield types. And so Belichick basically said at the end of the season, okay, let's go find some of those guys. Let's go get them. They got rid of Long, who was good for them in a quirky role last year. He played like 50% of the snaps. Shirt, who all kind of off-the-field stuff, they let him go 50% of the snaps. Uh, Ninkovic is like 33 and is trying to become quick twitch by taking all the PEDs known to man. Um, <laughs> he got suspended last year. He played 40% of the snaps. So they got a lot of snaps to go around. And all they really have is Derek Rivers and they traded for Coney Ealy. Yeah. No, I think, I mean, like you were saying, they needed to get a lot faster in that front seven and on the defensive line. What's interesting, though, is the fact that you mentioned that. And I'm trying to think, I can't, I'm trying to think of off the top of my head, pass rushers on the open market this year. And there weren't any, there's no one who like stands out to me in my memory. And correct me if I'm wrong. Um, no, it was Calais Campbell was the big defensive lineman, I believe. I'm, right. I could be forgetting someone, but that's, yeah, that's not that type of guy. But yeah, no, that's not the quick twitch guy. And so you saw then Belichick correct and says, okay, well, if we can't get after the passer, we're just going to make our secondary, you know, have anyone, no one's able to get open on our secondary. Um, the big thing, and I was looking at when, when we were talking about this prior to the podcast, I looked at, looked at the Patriots schedule, um, and adding speed to the defensive line makes sense. I mean, we play Cam Newton, Jameis Winston, Derek Carr, Tyra Taylor twice, uh, and then Alex Smith, who always surprises me at his speed and, and uh, movability. Um, so you could definitely tell that, like, you know, we wanted – we the Patriots needed to get faster in the front. Uh, and, and it makes sense, given that the, the – opponents that they're going to be facing, especially when you see Tyron Taylor twice a year. Uh, Cam Newton gave us gave the Patriots fits when they played, I believe that was, what, 2015, mm-hmm. 16, um, where Gronk was held in the end zone and it wasn't called. Not that I'm bitter. But uh, so, you, you know, and as, as quarterbacks become these super athletes, you're going to need to do that. You're going to need to do that in the front. I think the key is, is that what Belichick loves is having his – technique guys will establish the guys who maybe aren't athletically physically or athletically gifted but are physically gifted and and are masters of their craft they like he likes to have those guys entrenched and established so that when he brings in these quick twitch guys they are immediately forced into a role where you have to play you know you have to play um by the proper technique and you're coached and and the, all the veterans around you are all playing proper, proper technique and maybe that was what kind of went wrong perceivably uh with jb collins and not that it went wrong with Chandler jones Chandler jones to me was more of a money issue than a uh than a character issue or fitting into the team issue well, they had the, their issue became is they do so much multi-gap complex stuff up front um and that just demands i mean you have to be on for everything everyone's discipline has to be in line they had a fair amount of Chandler jones multi-gap issues now that it was deemed irrelevant because as nerdy and fun as that stuff can be for someone like me it's irrelevant if the guy smashes the face guard of the quarterback like, that's all that right. matters they i mean belichick tells great stories about how he's designed all these systems and then lawrence taylor would just come off the line and just forget the assignment and end up with you know a strip sack fumble and he's the greatest player he's ever seen like so and you, i can com- say that stuff where they had problems with it but they didn't care it was money because you know he hit the quarterback that's fine but they had the issues with him. They had the issues with Collins on that discipline stuff. And so he said, get me some generals who know what they're damn doing. Get me right. Long, who's been around here forever. Give me Ninkovich, who's been around here. Alan Branch, Malcolm Brown, though, that's going to be our core. And they were so good on first and second down. And then you get into third and long territory. And it's like, okay, let's go tee off. And they just didn't have these sub-package they guys have who, come in who could just yeah. come on with people. They just are on the team. Um, Flowers is kind of that guy when he's inside, but because of the structure of the team, he had to play more outside and he's just not an edge bender like that. And so I think that's the real case. And so they had to get really creative and they they struggled with that somewhat because Collins had gone and so they couldn't bring Hightower as much, which I think is why Harris is here. Is and now yeah. you can, uh, maybe not third down because he can't move very well, but on early downs you can send Hightower more, just move him to different spots more, which would be fun. Like in the Super Bowl, he moved a fair amount. Right. And I think overall what we're seeing from them is 
and I wrote this kind of as a conclusion to this piece, but I wanted this to be a, a broader thing, which I may go back and address because I've written about it a bunch, but not in one, one piece. It's just the positionless nature of this team they've built and the fact that they created this problem, essentially. The spread option began it, but Gronk and Hernandez right. forced it. And then the amount of pre-snap movement they have um, is that you have to have a team. Now everyone's doing it. Now you've got to combat it. Their whole secondary can play pretty much any position. Like, mm -hmm. Chomi mm -hmm. can play deep, slot, uh, box safety, McCarty the same, though he doesn't do it much. Uh, uh, Butler, Gilmore can play either side. They can play inside if necessary, if there's movement. Harmon can play anywhere you like. And then up front, they have this bunch of guys where Van Noy is now a linebacker, stand-up linebacker. He used to be defensive end. McClellan, he can play anywhere. Uh, Ninkovic has played everything. Ely can play inside, outside. Rivers can play stood up and down flowers inside outside wherever you wanted to i didn't realize how much he played directly over the center last year flowers like, it was a lot yeah that was flowers that, played that, all over the place that, i loved it their best third down package was him over the center which is interesting because he's a small guy and they would do stuff with him that they only did with will fork and he's 55 pounds lighter than right. will fork, which is just crazy um he's just a monster so they built a team where it's like literally positionless where they, where he can say the do your job type thing of this is the assignment, um, and no matter what they do is irrelevant because we know we can all do cover each other's jobs essentially. So you just stay in your lane, and if they move the tight end, you then just you just play that. You just do what you we we're asking you to do anyway. It doesn't matter. We don't have to switch like other teams. Right. We don't have right. to say, oh no, they've shifted the the tight end. Now we've got to slide the linebacker inside, move the safety. We've got to communicate a bunch, hand signal, hand signal, snap. Oh no just do whatever we were going to do anyway. And I think that's yeah. what they've been gunning for. Yeah, it'll be fun to watch. I'm, I'm excited to see how it all pieces together. I'm very excited to see how Gilmore uh, fits into the defense. How do you think they will best use him? When I wrote about him, probably just after free agency, oh no, actually like a month ago, um, and I, I went through his play last year, he was used off an awful lot by yeah. the Bills, which is... Bizarre, no. which is probably why the staff is, was <laughs> kicked out of the building. Yeah, it just doesn't make any sense. I, I'm still stunned they kept both Butler and Gilmore, which is, that's exciting. I love it. I love at, it. At their I, best, that's two of the top 15, 20 guys at that position. And they both, and they're both, I mean, Butler's not big per se, but they're both very physical. Um, and so I think you're going to see a lot of press and a lot of, you know, hitting wide receivers at the line and then letting them, you know, Free and you got McCordy ranging in the middle, or you've got Harmon ranging in the middle. You got Chung playing underneath. It's uh, it's going to be a defense that I think, like you were saying, has a lot of flexibility. And I think Belichick is going to like, hopefully, hopefully, if everything plays out the way it should, uh, Belichick's going to have a field day concocting all kinds of crazy scenarios to to run and, and aggravate offenses with. The one that got me really excited and had people looking at me funky in Starbucks because I was going like, ooh, oh, this is interesting. Like People looking like, what's he looking at on his screen? What's watching? Yeah, uh, and they're like, is that Coney Ely? I was like, yes, it is. It's very exciting. Because yes. um, we didn't mention Ely much. I was... I had preconceived notions about Ely because I've studied him before, but I was like, I'm going to try and clear my brain. I'm just going to watch him. I'm not going to have that Belichick taint of, he must be good because Belichick traded for him. He's missed before. Um, I was taken aback by how physical he is, how initially explosive he is, uh, how he has some Michael Bennett to his game, should I say? Like he does that thing which Flowers does where you have one arm locked out and it should really be a holding call, but they let let you play and he can still just drive you with one arm and you know these are <laughs> monster human beings that he's killing if they can figure out some kind of package because he didn't play inside much last year for carolina but he has before where we'll really see if they've made a philosophical change of we need more speed like if they've decided we're too slow up front which i think they are uh, right will be if they put those two guys inside undersized side and then get two guys on the edge and that that to me is where i'm like this could be fun different exciting because i don't know about you but super bowl wins cloud everything i get that the the front was not good last year which is why yeah. three members were were kicked out essentially like yeah. this wasn't very good no i agree are you confident going into next season what's up are you confident going into next season with what they have yeah, I mean, I, I'm. it's probably the irrational Patriots fan in me that I'm just always confident when they go into any season. Um, but I do think that 
I think the biggest thing that they need to improve is that third down. What you know, when you get into that third long, who do you run? Who do you pull? You know, bring out to rush the passer. But then another part of me is like, yeah, okay, so maybe necessarily you don't have that elite go-to pass rusher on third down, but you also do have two elite corners who are going to be very difficult to get that, you know, third and 15 on. Um, I also, I mean, and we haven't touched on it simply because we were talking about the pass and, and, and speed and twitch, but I absolutely love Alan Branch and Malcolm Brown. Oh, uh, as good as middle. it gets. That's as yeah. good as it then, then metrics from last season when I was running through the um... – What's it called? Next gen stats? That the NFL.com mm-hmm. stuff? I think so. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's what it's called. They're mind-bogglingly good. That's as good. I mean, that no one talks about them because you kind of, whenever there's any love for the pages, it just goes that the coaches are super smart and they don't actually have right. their hands on the dirt for some reason. That that is what people would like Lotalele and Short to be. To go back to our early point, they are dominant on first and second down. It's just that's not their job. They don't. Right. Right. Get, get after it on get... third down. Um, exactly. My thing with Which... them would be, um, uh, sorry to interrupt you, but no, no. I, I not having the elite pass rusher, it's been proven over time that's not necessarily, you don't need that. Once the guy gets the sacks, we'll call him that. Do you know what I mean? When yeah, Averill yeah. and Bennett got together in Seattle, you know, Bennett, the, Tampa was like laughing that he was out the building. They weren't bothered letting him go. Then he gets to Seattle. He's a dominant force. We call him elite. Do you know what I mean? So yeah. you, you can... Maybe Ely will say he get he becomes a double digit sack guy. Um, and I, I mean, I think also Trey Flowers can still step into that. I mean, Flowers had what was he? I think he recorded seven sacks in the last eight games of the season yeah. last year. Um, lots so of effort I, sacks, lots of which, yeah. which is not a bad thing. People get upset like, uh, he's a great player. It's like, well, it, I watched them all. This is why I'm saying they don't have enough speed. It's a lot of quarterback holding the ball, quarterback holding the ball. Everyone's just mushing, 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 and eventually he's brought down because there's nowhere to go with the ball. That was what they did last year. They rushed three, dropped a bunch of players because they didn't like the back end as much. Um, and they right. didn't have the players up front. I don't think they need a go-to guy necessarily, but they need four on three down that you're comfortable with. And I, part of me fights that. I'm like, well, um, getting creative with Patricia or just throwing different looks is a, is a way to do it. But I do kind of feel at the end of the day, if it's third and long in a playoff game, I mean, that's a good, good place to be, I guess. But let's say third and medium. Who are they teeing off, and who right, are you comfortable right. with? These are the four guys, and if it becomes, they would hope. I think Ely, Flowers, Rivers, maybe. Um, I think he's best as a sub package, one gap and go type Lester, player, yeah. one down player. I, I think they're really gonna have a hard time with his technique early on. It's gonna drive them crazy. So I would uh, caution against people thinking he's gonna play right away because it, it's a bit of a mess, and you know what they're like. Um, but I'm trying to find that fourth. It'll probably be. Just they just take someone off the field, knowing them, I would guess. Yeah, no, I mean, you could also then throw in. I mean, maybe you were talking about them moving Hightower around a lot yeah. more. Maybe you pop Hightower as an outside, and make him, you know, maybe maybe he's a pass rusher on third downs. I think, I think the bigger thing is it's also it's, it's not only just like who are you going to tee off and get it. Who's also the other team going to be like? Hey, we need to move coverage to this guy. Like, who's going to be? Who is the pass rusher that the other team is worried about? Um, because I do think that that is important, especially if you're creating that scenario, whereas in the playoffs, third down, you need to get this. There needs to be someone who you're relying on to get that play. And that's what they did so excellently with Flowers during the postseason run. Um, and he has three sacks in the right. football. And mo- they were not like clean. Oh, my God, he whipped that guy into the backfield. They were what I was talking about. Mush, mush, mush. And suddenly the guy's brought down. When they lined him up directly over the center, teams did not really know what to do. <laughs> they they right. were just kind of confused. They got more speed in the field. That, that They also stood up Chris Lyle. They did a lot of funky stuff. It's it kind of fun to watch because they just do stuff other teams don't do. Um, but now I think they'll be configured differently next year. They need someone, like you said, who commands a double team. Therefore, it's one-on-ones for everyone else. And I think the big thing is, some guy said to me this morning about the pieces. He brought up that David Harris point I hadn't really considered until he said it of, well, now there's Harris here. Does that mean they can move Hightower more? I think keeping Harmon makes that more a possibility because they'll just move Chung down. I don't, Harmon's right. not going to, I mean, uh, Harris isn't going to be around on third downs. I don't but even know, Chung will play that. Yeah, I don't think Harris is going to see out the there. season. I'm just going to say, I think he's washed. <laughs> I mean, we'll, we'll find out, but I, I do think he's washed unless they, they stick him with some Ninkovich dust. Um, <laughs> a little I, power I think there. you tried, you, you slide Chung down in what they were doing towards the end of last season, what Morgan Burnett did in. Uh, Green Bay, where you play the dime uh-huh. linebacker, and then you end up with what they did in the Super Bowl, which was we'll let Hightower be the edge rusher. We got a sack doing that in the Super Bowl. So sack I, fumble, turned the game. I think that hopefully, 
actually i would rather see more creativity it sounds silly because i think that would be more effective but i'm more for i want to see fun stuff i think yeah but um they've definitely assembled that i i put in the piece like i'm not sure how good it's gonna be but it's fun they've got a fun group yeah no i think it's i mean again it's gonna be fun to watch how both sides of those of the team plays because on offense you're also adding in Brandon Cooks, which I yeah, it's gonna no be ludicrous. Idea. It's gonna be no they're gonna be ludicrous offensively with Allen and Cooks. That's that's madness. Yeah, it's gonna be beautiful to watch. Uh, all right, Pete, we should get out of here. We did uh, some Patriots stuff, though not as uh, a blowy as people sometimes not claim on the on. I was saying they weren't good last year. That's what I said. They weren't very yeah. good. I'm not sure how much better they got, but they they tried. Yeah. They um, tried their they tried their best. All we can ask. Um, all right, and that'll do it for this edition of the podcast. As Pete said at the top, fantasy season's coming up, so go to faketeams.com, SB Nation, read Pete's stuff, read all the stuff up there. Fantasy baseball is still rolling, one would assume. Yeah, um, it is. And Summer League just wrapped up, so I guess there's going to be this post-Summer League NBA draft to grab rookies. I assume that happens. Um, yep, it's coming too. It's, it's all going to be on there, so uh, faketeams.com for Pete's stuff. Pete, thank you for doing this. Of course, anytime.